0: Oh, welcome to Gabbing with Librarians. I do believe that libraries will be more important than ever. But it's still a problematic scene, and it's best to look and judge and discuss. Well, that really or was one of the things that appealed to me and kind of attracted me to the show. I think it's also opened up a lot of doors. The publishing industry as itself is continues to get smaller when and smaller. with people need to battle
1: that misinformation, they're going to come to a library.
0: Welcome to Gabbing with the Librarians, where Harris County Public Librarians get together to talk about different topics. I am your host, Jennifer Finch, from the Spring Branch Memorial Branch, and I'm here with Amy Campbell from Catherine Tyra at Bear Creek. Hello. And Rebecca Trent from the Kingwood Branch. Hello, hello. To talk about the different types of reading. Reading is technically defined as the process of looking at text on a page and processing what it says. However, there are audiobooks, graphic novels, and many, many more types of reading. So, what are some benefits of audiobooks do you would you say well it is a great way to start early early literacy for the little ones
2: we have uh all of our libraries have the vox books and wonder books on our shelf that pair the physical picture book with audio and it is a great way for the young readers to uh learn how words work how narration works and all all those good things how to decode the pictures in the books they're fantastic for that
0: especially for parents who may work two or three jobs, that gives them a way for their children to still be read to before they're able to read to themselves. So it gives the children the benefit of having somebody to read to them, even if it's not the parent, which would be the ideal. Sometimes it just doesn't work out that way.
1: I very much um, appreciate, as a children's librarian, the fact that it improves pronunciation and vocabulary. And, you know, just if a kid's unfamiliar with a word like Zimbabwe, they can hear someone else say it and they'll understand how to, how to pronounce it themselves. And it increases their reading speed. If they have the book with them, which happens sometimes, like with our new Vox books and wonder books, as they as the text is reading to them, they're following along on the page. So it increases their reading, their speaking accuracy and their fluency just because they've heard someone else say this new word that's unfamiliar to them.
0: I agree. I love that part of audiobooks. I mean, it helps me with words that um, I may not know how to pronounce. I pronounce it a certain way in my head, and then I hear it. I'm like, oh, so that's how that's pronounced. <laughs> like there's um, Celtic mythology. There's the Tuatha de Danann, and it's spelled Tuatha de Danann. So that's how in my head it's it's yeah. it's pronounced so completely differently from what it looks like in English on the page. So you know, hearing that I'm like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. um, and then you know, one of the other things about audiobooks, I just love having it just for the general everyday purpose of I listen to them as I'm going to sleep. I listen to them in the car, especially on long car trips. They are a lifesaver, but For people who are dyslexic, um, Amy knows this at Bear Creek. When I worked there, we had a patron. He was a voracious listener of audiobooks. Absolutely would check out about 10 audiobooks per week. Just all these sorts of audiobooks. He had dyslexia to the degree that he, honestly, it was such a struggle for him to try and read. He could not read a book. It was just too much of a struggle. But he loved stories and he loved, so he listened to audiobooks like No Tomorrow. He was one of our best readers. He read so many books, but it was all through listening to audiobooks. So there's that benefit. And then there are kids that maybe not struggle so much as he did with audiobooks, but they have to read these books for school and they're dyslexic and it's a struggle. So listening to the audiobook while they're trying to read. The book helps them with their reading comprehension and helps them to pass tests, helps them to actually keep up with their classmates. The audiobooks are absolutely necessary for these kids and adults who just like to listen to books, who love stories. Not only that, we also had another patron who was blind and her husband would come and pick up the audiobooks and she would request books. She would use our interlibrary loan to request books that we didn't have on the shelf. And there's also the Talking Books program through the Texas State Library where people can access audiobooks and have them sent directly to their home. So the audiobooks are absolutely necessary because braille books are more expensive than audiobooks. Audiobooks are already extremely expensive, but braille books are so hugely expensive and they're large. They take up a lot of space. So it's not practical for, say, us, while we do have some Braille books, we don't have as much space as we would like to be able to keep them on the shelf at each branch. So they're kept at our administrative offices and you have to request to have them. Some of our branches are able to, but like my branch, we just don't have space for the Braille books on our shelves. They're so expensive, we don't have a lot. So you can either get them through the Talking Books program or you can get audiobooks, and the audiobooks are just more practical, especially for people who lose their sight as adults and maybe don't have time or are having difficulties learning Braille. The audiobooks become necessary for them. And honestly, sometimes it's just great to have, like, there's so many parents who are working that just don't have time to sit down and read a fiscal book. So having an audiobook allows them to read the newest book, read a self-help book, read a nonfiction book to help with their finances while in the car, driving to work. There are all these benefits from listening to audiobooks, and it's still, to me, they're still taking in that information. So why shouldn't it count as reading? Oh, it
1: should totally count as reading just because, like you were saying before with multitasking, other things that you have to do, like at home, where you can't sit down with a physical print book, that audiobook can follow you all through the house with whatever you need to do. Or like me, when my commute became an hour to get to work, it's an hour to get to work and an hour to get back home. And it helps with my focus and my attention span to have something to hold on to whenever it's just, you know, me in traffic or sitting on the highway, you know. Uh, an audiobook is very helpful with that just because it's an interesting story for me. And it, you know, helps improve my memory because I got to hang on to the little bit of that last chapter right when I get home. And it's happened plenty of times where I've, you know, been parked in my garage still listening to it and you know somebody will come and peek out and they're like you're still in your car what's going on I'm like this is the best part wait 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 you know so it happens where audiobooks still bring that entertainment and that interesting story if it's you know a self-help book like you said or a fiction book that's taking you through the worlds and the characters it's necessary simply because it's a better medium for those who have visual impairments or they, they're they not at that place of reading a print book, like you were saying about your voracious reader. I'm thankful to have an alternative for them because I hate the thought of somebody coming into a library and not having a book to read. What are we here for, right?
0: Exactly. Well, on that point, you know, we have a lot of audiobooks, but we also have graphic novels. So do you consider graphic novels equal to regular novels? Yes. Yes. <laughs>
2: Yes. Um, what about you, Amy? I would think so, too. And to kind of tie this into the audiobooks as well. So print books themselves in the in human history, they're a relatively new thing. So think about historically um we have an oral tradition going back thousands of years. Think about like the cave drawings in France. Those are like some of the first graphic novels, like on the cave of the people hunting the wild horses. How how could those not be reading? That was how they read then and then they they verbally told the stories of those hunts. So absolutely, if if our ancestors, if that was that was their form of literacy, they didn't have words on the page. Well, you know, the Egyptians they had hieroglyphics and things like that, and the different like Pictish languages. But those pictures and those oral traditions were some of the earliest forms of reading. So they definitely count as reading even today because those, those are parts of our history and they're an intrinsic part of how we learn and interact with information. So yes, graphic novels and audio are both definitely reading.
0: One of the things I think it's interesting is in the US, we are pretty new to the graphic novel game. But in Japan, graphic novels have been pretty much the standard for decades. They have graphic novel textbooks. That is a normal thing for them to have. It's normal for to see adults reading graphic novels because that is their normal. It's not looked down upon. It's not considered wrong. Because as long as you're getting the information, what does it matter which form it comes in? And people's brains work differently. So if you need to see pictures and words in order to understand something, then that format is, okay, let's give them that format. Also, you know, decoding the pictures in a graphic novel, the story is not just told through the words. It is also told through the pictures. So it is allowing your brain, different parts of your brains to work together. That actually works better than just words on a page Because it is training different parts of your brain that you need as an adult. Sometimes you need to be able to just observe things and learn through observing things. By seeing some pictures on a page, you're training those muscles to learn how to observe and decode from observing. Graphic novels are a very, very good process. Now, should they completely replace regular novels? I'm not saying that. If you have a child that is dyslexic, but they have clicked with graphic novels, let's give them as many options as you can with the graphic novels, and maybe not stress so much about them reading regular novels. Although, if they can click with graphic novels, that's a gateway book also. So if you have a reluctant reader, Sometimes the graphic novels is the way to lead them in. So first you get them with graphic novels, then you get them with high action, high dialogue, regular novels that may be technically a a couple grade levels below where they're at. And once they get in there and they start to learn to love reading, they will naturally push themselves. Because if you push them to read at their grade level before they actually like reading, all that's going to do is make them hate reading and it's going to make it harder for them to learn to read. So, to me, audiobooks, graphic novels, listening to stories, storytellers, micro-blogging, letting them read different things, um, let them read the Minecraft books, allowing them to see the different types of reading. That I guess our main point is: let them read what they want. <laughs> <laughs> let them let them learn to love reading. Sure. And then you can work on the rest well what
1: i love about the parents is they're very clever they uh will sometimes have like uh, a goal for their children to meet and then they reward them with maybe more books so in my case i've seen a lot of parents say you can't watch the harry potter movies until you finish the harry potter books and then on beanstack is another bit that they have where the Kids read the books and then, you know, there's little reward systems for different things in Beanstack. You can get a reward for answering the critical thinking questions about the books or just writing a summary of it. And, you know, Charlotte's Web is about a pig who was afraid and, you know, he met a friend and she she was a spider and her name is Charlotte. They really got a concept of the book. There was something about this book that spoke to them and they very much appreciate it. What I really love is the series, the graphic novel series that are based on novels. So if a kid is a visual learner and they're all about graphic novels, I challenge them whenever we don't have the graphic novel version of whatever book in the series they're in to read the novel series. So it happened a lot with Babysitter's Club because Babysitter's Club is so popular as a graphic novel, but you know, I'm working on uh 90s technology here so i say oh did you like book three but we don't have book four huh we have the novel book four would you like to read that instead and they're like "Mm, yeah i think i will yeah so while they're waiting for their graphic novel of book four to come in they can read the print novel that we already have sitting on the shelf Uh so i very much appreciate that and i was here looking on my phone there's one novel I saw in the graph not the graphic novels in the nonfiction adult section was the manga guide to statistics yes which is a graphic novel in the math section of non-fiction about statistics and it's amazing because it's you know this goofy uh Mawa student who's trying to figure out how statistics works. And she runs into a student from her class and they go throughout the world and look at real life statistics and how the formulas in their class apply to real world activities. And there's one just for all of your favorite math subjects that start out to look very difficult. I very much appreciate the way they categorize that because it's not categorized in the 741s with the graphic novels. It's there in the math section for those who need that visual guide to statistics and that age-old question that the kids ask, why do I need to learn this? Well, here's statistics in real life. Here's what you need to know. And there's one for geometry and there's one for trigonometry. And it's amazing that somebody thought to reach out to the math crowd and say, I know you think this is difficult, but this is how you can apply these principles in real life. And it brings those formulas off of the page in a visual way to Mm -hmm. tell the next generation, Here's how this is important. And it has a happy ending because the student's like, oh, I get it now. And then, you know, they're like, to be continued in, yeah. you know, geometry or something. And it's it's just great. Yeah.
0: And I do see a lot more of those nonfiction graphic novels. Mostly the really popular ones are that history, mm-hmm. the children's, hist- what is it, um, Horrible Histories?
1: Oh, um, Toxic Tales with Nathan Hale. Yes. Or um, what's the other one, the I Survive series? Yes. Yes. Yeah, you already know they're very, they're they're very contagious when you start reading those. And I saw that a publisher started giving out Magic Treehouse. Mm -hmm. They started producing the Magic Treehouse graphic novels. You know how long the the print section of the Magic Treehouse books is. It's like 139 books.
0: Yep. I'm wondering how long they're going to go into the Babysitter Club books, because with all the Babysitter Club books and the Super Specials and the Holidays, you know, it's like, oh that's well over a hundred books as well.
1: Yeah. somebody's gonna, they're, they're going to make a nice paycheck out of that because yeah. if they commit to it. They're, they're going to have plenty of words. To
0: well, do. and the cool thing about the babysitters club books is that they're changing graphic novel artists. Cause at first it was Renee Telgemeier. Yeah. At first it was Renee Telgemeier or Mayer mm-hmm. Meyer. And it's has switched to other artists. So Renee Telgemeyer, her uh, single book, her, her personal novels took off so they got her off the babysitter club books and then they got other people doing them and it's it's a way to introduce new graphic novels it's giving other graphic novelists a start so i i find that really cool that they're doing that it reminds me of the jimmy kids books and the regular novels books where they have the different authors that are really writing the books But then like Chris Gavinstein got started with that. And now he's got his own series mm-hmm. and he's gotten really big. And it just happened a few times in the adult section with different authors that they they ghost write or not really ghost write. Their name is on the book. And then if somebody likes those, like somebody who's writing in Tom Clancy style. Uh, and so they're part of like the Rainbow Six series or something. And of course, Tom Clancy passed away a few years ago.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's someone else writing them. And so they see that person's name. They're like, oh, I like this guy. Let me see what else he's written. The funny thing is, is the audio. Okay. So that gets me on the idea of the audiobook readers. Mm. Audiobook readers can either kill or make a book. And it's, there are some audiobook readers that are just terrible, or at least they don't match.
2: So I can give you a fun behind the scenes thing because as some of you may or may not know, I'm a published author. So one of my things I'm working on now is I'm going to have a Kickstarter in the future for a special hardcover of my first book, but to also help fund an audio. So I've actually put Breaker up for audio auditions and I thought, oh, maybe I'll get one or two narrators, you know, sending me their audition. Well, I've had like 26 auditions so far with people all over the place. And so something you also need to know about audio narrators is, and this is why we were talking before we recorded about how long some of the audiobooks are that we've listened to. To give you a peek behind the curtain for the production cost, one finished hour of audio on average costs $300, but for big name authors, it can go up to $1,000 or more. So I'm poor, so I'm like looking at the the one hundred to like two hundred dollar level. I'm like, I need like the the Groupon type narrators right now. Yeah. So um, I've you know of those twenty four, I've had some that are really fabulous, and they've you know you can see what they what they've done for other books. And I had one guy, I was like, oh my goodness, you should not have submitted this. Like, I write fantasy, so there's some fantasy names there. But I I provided a key. I was very good. I gave them a key. Everyone else nailed it. This guy was like flubbing the names. I was like, oh my gosh, like, how does anybody hire you? I, I was not impressed. So it's been very interesting, like behind the scenes looking. And as an author, like some of the people do not get the characters right at all. Other people I'm like, ooh, you're you're good. I like you. So the narrators definitely make it or break it. And they can also be very expensive. Yes. So those books, our books are worth like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars.
0: I have done some of my own uh, fan fiction. I've read my own fan fiction, but that's my stuff. I don't care, really. (laughs) It's like, as long as you can listen to it and I think it's okay, I'm not gonna, if I flub a word or something, I'm not going back and re-recording. But if I'd be being paid to do it for somebody's book, I'd be like, okay, well, I've got to get this absolutely perfect and I've got to edit it right and I can't have any sound in my apartment while this is going on. And I'm just, because they're doing it out of their homes. It's not like it's being done in a professional studio. That's why the big name authors cost so much is because a lot of them, they either have a studio built in their home or they're going Mm -hmm. into an actual recording studio to do this. And they've got a producer and they've got an editor that are all doing it. So that's why there's such a big cost difference. Exactly just for you or for anyone who's listening who might be interested in getting into the exciting field
2: of narration, if you don't have the ability to do the editing and production part, that part can be outsourced. So don't let not having everything stop you from taking that on as a side hustle, if you like.
0: Yes. Oh my goodness. Before this recording, we were actually discussing what the longest audiobook we'd listened to was and mine topped out at 51 hours for a Tom Clancy novel. There are some absolutely fantastic audio fic readers that I think her Library Chicks 64, I think is one. <laughs> just, um, I always kind of <laughs> giggle when I get one of her audiobooks. One O One Osha one is another one. Um, there's just a ton of them that I actually really absolutely love listening to. And they put in a massive amount of time. I mean, Some of these people have done hundreds of hours of audio fics for their works and other people's. So yes, the audio reader can totally make or break the audiobooks. If you are interested in doing that side of things, it it is very interesting. It is a lot of work. Other than that, I, I want to ask one more question because there's so many types of reading. So people read differently. What's the biggest takeaway?
2: I think you should respect how other people want to read. Like, for example, my almost eight-year-old, he's still, he's not the voracious reader that I was at that age that he's feeling inspired to learn to read because he wants to play Minecraft. So we're like, to be able to navigate Minecraft, you have to know how to read the words that go with the icons. So he's like, oh, well, this kind of makes sense. As a parent, I'm okay if his sole motivation for reading is to learn how to read Minecraft because that that might be like the gateway drug. And he, he loves being read too, which is another form of literacy that's kind of like audiobooks. I am all for any type of reading.
0: Well, thank you, Amy, for that. Thank you for joining us today for Gabbing with the Librarians. Thank you, Amy and Rebecca, for being here today. If you would like to join the conversation, email podcast at hcpl.net. Next month, we will be discussing all things Marvel.